Like I feel like if they're Kardashians, like if people actually put videos into our house for the last 27 years, I'd probably be billionaire now because like <laughs> nobody would watch the Kardashians. I swear to God. <laughs> like at least I could have got something good out of it, you know? The yeah. whole lot of us would be rich, be minted. And probably in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so the money be no good to you. <laughs> yeah. Just go into hiding. You're very welcome to the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast, where we do exactly what we say on the tin. We talk straight about mental health. We cover topics that you may not be aware of, stuff you may be aware of that applies to yourself. And, you know, within that, we try to entertain as much as possible. We try to be informative and informal. So we try to bring that message across lighthearted. Sometimes we touch on heavy themes, which we're going to do today. And sometimes something you learn from the, the podcast will maybe bring up something around something from your own experience that you can learn from. And we hope that's what we that's what we try to do with this. And we hope that's something that resonates with people. And that's exactly what uh, has happened in the situation that we're going to cover today. We have Cody, not her real name, who listened to the podcast. And today we are going to be talking childhood abuse. Now that's going to incorporate physical abuse, sexual abuse. We don't normally give trigger warnings on this because we can't be responsible for people what triggers people but this is a particularly delicate situation and this is a particularly delicate subject and one that is unfortunately very pervasive in society particularly Irish society and so we just want to give that little warning if there is anything that triggers you within the episode please do come back you know step away do something for yourself come back come back to the episode because you are going to you are in all likelihood going to learn something from today's episode cody's going to come on and she's going to share her story so we just need to we need to get that out of the way first on the podcast is myself alan clark i am a psychotherapist you probably wouldn't know of it from what you hear Mm. that's going to come out of my mouth in the ensuing minutes Uh, but i am actually a psychotherapist with a degree in counseling psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy and joining me on the podcast is my firstborn male heir, Mr. Cameron Clark, Cameron, journalism student extraordinaire and pretty decent guy, even if I am a little bit biased talking around my own son. If you're biased about me, you should see how I talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't on for the interview we had last week, Mr. Mark Wallin. Peter mispronounced his name, but Mark corrected me before recording, so I sounded great. <laughs> pronounced his name properly <laughs> in, in in the interview. What what did you learn from? What did you take away from the interview last the week? The first thing I took away is that I was very upset that I missed it. It was great. It was yeah. It was yeah. very insightful to have on, and I did. I try. I tried to get in it, but work took over. But, yeah. Um, no, it was great. And you were. That's obviously a bit of a, a fanboy moment for you as well. You were. You're very yeah. interested in the whole topic. Absolutely, yeah. Childhood trauma in mm. particular, and well, trauma in general. I am a certified uh, trauma specialist dealing with individuals from the Arizona Trauma Institute, and it's something I I got trained up on as much as mm. possible because it's it's a fascinating subject to me, and even more fascinating when a lot of that stuff doesn't even begin with us. We inherit mm. it. Um, and we will touch on that a little bit in our conversation with uh, with Cody later on as well. Anything in particular that stood out for you? I know you missed it, which is unfortunate. It would have been a nice string to your bow. I think I think I should have been there. I think I had to keep you in check. 
the the fan right. the, the fanboy seeped out a few times. Which is it's an, it's that's, that's, right. not, that's not a cool bad thing. Yeah. But no, it was the entire conversation. You could just tell that Mark is very educated in what he talks about, and you can you can even see that from the way he talks. He knows everything about generation. No, he, he's been no, doing this a long time. In, he, he inside knows, and out, yeah. there's never a slip up with him. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say he's given talks, so many mm. talks, and done so many interviews that you know this. Is everything just, in a topic just yeah, rat, rattles off his head. Just, yeah, like he does. He doesn't even yeah. think about what he's saying. It's just. It's all. Mm. It's almost like he rehearses it. Mm. Oh, I say. That's what I'm saying. I think it's. And the, there was a point where he has a, a piece that he's he's riddled off from the book. He's mentioned it so often that he had it off by heart. Oh um, my god! <laughs> that's, that's how often he he, he spoke about yeah. it. Uh, and you know, on top of being so so informative, just a really lovely. He guy. is. No, he's very nice. You could you could hear just it in the podcast. Such such mm. a nice guy. Yeah. Um and he was so generous with his time as well. Um that I was just like, Oh, this is this is amazing. Like when you get to ask all the questions, mm. like you know, you get to be you get to be the voice to go, Jesus, when am I gonna have an opportunity and like this again? It's to, one of those situations where you knew that any question you asked he would have an answer for. Mm. And it's mm. it's not often you get kind of somebody as educated on a topic as he is. So, you, like, going into yeah. it, you knew that, okay, I, I can ask pretty much anything I want here. He's going to give me a good answer. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that accounts for the fanboying mm. as well, because ordinarily, you know, Peter had always pushed that I was the kind of, in quotation marks, expert on mm. the show. And, you know, I speak around it from from my point of view as, as a therapist and, and through my own learning. So, for once, it was like, oh, now I'm getting to learn. You know, well, I always learn something from the guests that we have on, but in terms of a topic like this, it was like, oh, I, I'm just soaking this in. And I said, well, it obviously came across as you listen back because you could hear me fanboying. But that was that was the excitement yeah. and the and the learning that mm. I was getting as I as I was listening back. And it was it was definitely one, you know, I know it resonated with a lot of a lot of listeners that we have. We had uh, Fraser. Fraser, I was actually uh, he didn't use the term fanboy. Um, Fraser Morgan, who we had on around Dean or Child a few months back. Um, Fraser had first mentioned his book, Mark's book, It Didn't Start With You. Fraser says, I'm so excited for this. I'm a strong believer in family trauma and I love the book. I'm fangirl so hard. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both, Fraser, buddy. You and me both. Yeah, it was definitely for you anyway. It was a different experience because normally you're kind of, you know, if there's anything mental health related, it's you you give all the, the heavy information. Yeah, but for exactly, this it was, yeah. and you were kind of more the student. Yeah, not oh, just uh, you know to hear that the guy who's you know the book mm. I've read, and you know for for like, you know we always have first time listeners on every podcast. This is not a psychotherapy podcast. What well, if if this is your first time checking in, or you've only heard a couple of the episodes? The podcast started out uh, under one condition with Peter, Peter Dunn, former host, and Peter who jumps in every now and again when he can. Peter asked me about doing the podcast and I had one stipulation that it couldn't feel like work. I didn't want this to feel like work for me. I work long enough clinical hours. I wanted it just to be, I'm having a chat with my mate and we just happened to be talking about Mm. mental health. And that's, that's what accounted for the popularity of the podcast that we've done that, that we've do it in a conversational tone and you know, we're having the crack as we go along. We just happen to be talking about 
very serious mm. topics at times. So that's always been the, the tone of this. And, you know, what Mark did so well last week as well was that he conveyed that information in a way that, you know, if you haven't got a clue what inherited family trauma is or generational trauma or the neuroscience around it, he conveyed that in a way that was that was understandable. And that's something I've always tried to do on the, on the podcast, but it's not a psychotherapy mm. podcast. It's we just happened. We're having the chats. We're having the crack. And we happen mm-hmm. to be talking about mental health issues. Peter stepped out. You stepped in. Now it's a very different dynamic in that I'm talking to my son. And we happen to be talking about mental health issues. So Fraser was definitely fangirling, as he said. We had Jess. Oh, you're going you're gonna to fucking love this one. You are going to love this one. This one's built for you. Um, love this podcast from Mark. I can't wait to get stuck into his book. Well done, straight talk and mental health. 60 minutes is the perfect amount of time for a podcast. Hashtag validation. Yup. That's two. <laughs> I'm taking over. Two. Congratulations. Over. This is it. The movement. The yeah, movement see, you, begins. you. Yeah, I, 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 I was kind of go. I always work around our Australian rhythm kind of around ninety minutes as much as possible. When Peter gets on, they tend to be longer. Oh fuck! Me. We, had, we, we had an hour. But, we had an hour with the three of us. Nah, last well, we week, cut yeah. it down, and I, and I had to, I cut, I yeah. cut extra out of it as well. To be fair, I didn't think I was going to get so long on Mark. Yeah. And and then I was like, oh my god, he's, he's, giving, he's giving me over an hour here, and I was like, this is this is brilliant. So I went back and I even cut, uh, even cut more out of uh, out of last week. But look, this well. this Peter had edited that piece, and then I went in and I and I chopped some more. Out this of is it. how I look at it. Okay, you you have had sixty something episodes to build up your longer mm. episode fan base. I have only been here for six or seven now, and I've already got two. Um, taken over two people yeah, congratulations man do you know how many yeah, listeners we, we have wait, don't worry <laughs> do you know don't how many worry. people it's, aren't it's, bu- it's building up okay it's building up by by like episode 100 oh. i'm gonna have at least 10 <laughs> and that's when we're gonna get you they're not gonna be 60 minutes they're not gonna be 60 minutes you can't tell a proper story in 60 no but i can shorten them. um <laughs> no no i i'm mm. hour and a half is kind of mm-hmm. it's, it's always my kind of my kind of goal um sometimes we record our interviews our pieces beforehand so we never know what we're going to get from a guest sometimes we record post interview yeah uh, so we can get the we get the, the guest on at a particular time and then we go okay well then we'll record our this piece mm. before and this is one of those so, times you know sometimes we know and this is this is one of those times where we record post interview um so we never know and you never know what you're going to get mm. from a guest. Sometimes they're talkers. Sometimes they're not talkers. But everyone, everyone has a story to tell, and that's that's what we try to do to give to give a platform for people to tell their story. Because, and you know, you you let the cat out of the bag. We are recording post interview. That's exactly what's happened mm. with Cody. She took something from the podcast of, of our episode with Chris Bender around uh, childhood sexual abuse and how he was groomed. She heard that, and that that informed something for her so everyone's story always resonates with someone and that's why you know we have people like mark on the expert and that and that's why we also have listeners Mm -hmm. that just come on and tell their story because everyone and there's something to learn and that's that's one of the things i love about my job is that you know in a a very privileged position to to hear people's stories Mm -hmm. and that's that's why i'm so aware that everyone has a story it's also it's typically why we tend not to speak on the topic when it's just you and myself in our own little piece to start, mm. because obviously we don't know what our guest is going to say, and we don't want to kind of repeat everything they say before they've even said exactly. it. Exactly. We'd rather let them tell their story yeah. rather than us explaining the entire topic and then them explaining the entire topic as well. 
Yeah. So that that was that was uh, Jess validating you. We had Fraser validating Mark and all his. You don't get any. You don't get any fucking validation today. You've had enough. Nah, that's that's alright. I'm alright. Well, that's where you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, contraire, mon frere. Well, you're not mon frere. What's 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 the French for son? French. Frere is brother. No, me neither. I dropped it after third year because I didn't the teacher. (laughs) Right. You might want to stop trying to speak French in the podcast. Let's stick. Uh, Let's stick to English. (laughs) <laughs> fucking struggle with that <laughs> me fail English that's impossible <laughs> so Jess and Fraser they left they left the comments on the Instagram page if you want to get in touch with us on any of the social media you can do so or cool with sliding into the DMs one of the people has slid into the DMs BK from the UK can't give his name because it just says BK so that's all I know um Opening, opening line, thank you, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Thank you so much. I just found your podcast through the Cannabis and Juice Psychosis episode. I've had two of those, and now I've just finished the Homeboy Sandman episode, one of my favorite MCs, and man, the podcast is phenomenal. It's spelled man. <laughs> That's not me emphasizing. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying it out. The podcast is phenomenal. So just saying thanks, really, and looking forward to listening to them all and following your journey. Lots of love from Leicester, UK. Thanks very much, BK. Thank you for that. Uh, he slid into the DMs on Instagram. If you want to get us on Instagram, we're there, Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast, same as we are on Facebook. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, hit a tweet, hit a retweet for any of our material that you see. That's S-T-R-A Talking Pod. And if you want to email us, you can do so. You can hop onto our website, stmhpodcast.com. And if you've got a story to tell, like Cody has, like she did, you can email us at hello at stmhpodcast.com. That's the plug with the social media out of the way, with the DMs, etc., etc. We had another email, one not so much, well, a little bit um, bigging up the podcast, but with a little bit of a heavier tone to it. And this is an email that we received from Christy. Thanks for emailing, Christy. And I know this is a this is a pretty big and weighty topic. Hi, lads. I just want to thank you all for all your efforts. You're doing great work. My name is Christy. I've been struggling with the word myself. COVID has changed my world. My 30-year marriage fell apart over two weeks earlier this this year. My job became very busy due to COVID. My wife's mental health was very much affected by lockdown and all that came with them. So I suppose the way we both were feeling came to a head. She demanded I leave her home, so I agreed to give her what she demanded. The day before I was to leave, she attempted suicide. I'm glad to say she didn't succeed, but I still had to leave. All she had to do was talk to me. I didn't want to leave. About a month ago, her brother succeeded in his suicide attempt, a real gentleman with real demons. I've had to promise my daughter that I won't do something similar, but it hasn't been easy. Thanks again. You have helped me survive some very dark times. Christy. Thanks very much for that email, Christy. And I just want to kind of reiterate a point here. We're always grateful when people email email in like that because we know it can't be easy. But Mm. we, we are immeasurably grateful for people to email in like yeah. that and christy I'm, I'm glad we can help in even such a little way yeah and I, I know i know you're struggling you know christy you said it there that you've had to promise your daughter that you won't do something similar it's not easy and it, you know unfortunately you know you're, you're going through the ringer at the moment Please, you know, reach out, get some get some professional help whenever you can. Um, we had we had an email from Marty a few weeks ago from Australia, and he was he was struggling to to stay alive, and his belief that his family, his kids, would be better off without him. 
I can assure you they're not they're not better off without you. Uh, they're better off with, with, with you getting the help mm-hmm. that you need. Talking to someone, getting some assistance. I've 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 had clients that have attempted suicide. I've had clients that are the children of parents that have that have completed suicide. And I promise you it's it's not for the best. That it's that's not what they want mm-hmm. for you. Um they want you you know, for you to be happier, for you to be healthier for yourself. And then as a happier, healthier parent, that's going to make for happier, healthier children. you got to look after yourself. You know, we had Jane on a few weeks ago and she spoke about the importance of caring for yourself, which makes you a better carer. So if you can look after yourself in that, Christy, you'll be doing better by looking after everyone else with you then as well. So please do reach out, get get some help. Thank you so much for for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for your feedback, and thank you for being for taking that brave step to to email us. But we hope you can you can hopefully get get some help that will see you through this because it is a very difficult thing. One of the things I was touched on there with um, within the email was, generally speaking, it's the man that has to leave mm. the house, um, and you know that's that's very difficult for uh, for anyone in in that situation and you know the marriage ended he's faced with trying to find living arrangements etc it's you know that's a that's a very difficult thing for for a lot of men and traditionally speaking nine times out of ten maybe 95 times out of 100 you know the the, the children stay with stay with the mom and it's it's a tough uh period of adjustment for anything like that so i know that's going to be hard for you as well christy but you know, just do do what you can do to to look after yourself. So I assure you, everyone everyone in need around you, they definitely need you, and they need you to be they need you to be healthy. Thanks for all the emails, folks. Thanks for the the comments on the Instagram. Thanks for sliding into the DMs, Cameron. My firstborn. What's been going on with you, man? Um, have a little check in. Ah, all's good here. You know, I'm still just kind of taking away at work and then. Enjoying my couple of days off when I have them. We just we we mm. just went as we're recording here. It's a bank holiday Monday, and yeah. it's a vastly different bank holiday than what I'd be used to as a bartender. Mm. You know, I'm I, di- I didn't get home at four o'clock in the morning. I was home at a reasonable hour. Yeah. It's it's great. <laughs> so work's been that little bit easier. Oh, it's not even a little bit. It's. Yeah, have you had people giving us hassle with the vaccine cert? So for for everyone around the world, what's happened is they've brought in the vaccine cert. Now you didn't think it was going to happen. No. I was like, man, I don't know. But what has happened is you now need to. Prov- so when you get your double vaccine, you are emailed or you are sent a kind of QR code, etc., um, stating that you are fully vaccinated. And in Ireland now, you can only indoor dine if you are fully vaccinated and have so proof this of has it. Created a huge- and have proof of it, and this has created a huge rift, and it's it's going to be my rile when we get into it in, in in earnest. But have you had any hassle around it? We've had a lot of people come in expecting an indoor table, and we we mm. ourselves aren't doing indoor dining just yet. We're we're giving it a couple of weeks just kind of see how everyone else gets on with it first, because I don't know if you've noticed there's been a lot of pubs taking a lot of heat online for opening up, opening yeah. doors, and they're getting yeah just a horrible time so we said we we're going to give it kind of a couple of weeks and see how it pans out now we've had a lot of people come in expecting an indoor table and we don't have them and then they're kind of yeah. oh well 
you know, we're supposed to be eating inside and we're like, well, no, you're not. We're not, we're not doing mm. it yet. So it, it, there hasn't been anything too bad. It's just some people getting pissed off that we haven't opened for indoor dining. But then we have customers that are in the outdoor dining area and they're all kind of, oh no, we're kind of happy or not indoors yet. We think it's safer for everyone if mm. everyone's just outdoors until they have this sorted out properly. Mm. Which I agree with. Like, I have no issue with the indoor dining if it was done properly, but at the minute it's not. In the case yeah. of all letting yeah. under 18s come in unvaccinated, but if someone's 18 and unvaccinated, they're not allowed in. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've you segued into my royal. You mentioned it there of pubs getting abuse online. Uh, one particular pub in the town definitely wouldn't be a pub I frequent. The mm. Harp, <laughs> proper proper mm. old lad pub. They put up that they were that they were opening. Uh, it came up because Nikki commented mm. on it. Your uncle, my brother commented. Um, Stop fucking abusing the staff. And they were fucking getting. And I've seen it on other pages where they're the pubs are getting Death threats and we call fucking traitors. They're being called. But you know, you know what really gets me fucking riled, of and the ignorance around these people, saying like, "Oh, next they'll be making us wear the gold star." That's for fucking, fucking likening this situation to Jews during the Holocaust. You're not being dragged out of your fucking home, lads. You're not being fucking shot in the street. You're not fucking being murdered just because of something you believe in. You've been given. You've been given the fucking choice. Take it or mm. don't take it. You're not a fucking Jewish Holocaust. But boy. don't expect the benefits of a vaccine if you won't get no. the vaccine. And we're we're here saying, yes, it's not right. We're here saying, yes, it's not right that this is what the government have implemented. But take it up with the yeah. fucking government. Don't be blaming the pubs and don't be fucking lightening yourself to a Jew in the fucking mm-hmm. Holocaust. You have the choice. No one's fucking holding a gun to your head and saying, now you're taking this. This, this like, trying to liken themselves to, to some other form of discrimination. They have to just like, victimise themselves. Oh, Jesus Christ. You, it's your choice? Million percent. Fucking million percent. You don't want to get it? That's grand. But the consequences of that is this. And we're not And we're not saying that's right. We, by any means, by no means are we Two weeks ago right. we spoke about how we don't think it's right, but it's the way it is. Yeah. Take yeah. it up with the government. You know, don't take it out on people that are... And the other thing that struck me about it was... You know, all their traitors, we're not all in this together, etc., etc. You know what that is to me? That's fucking evil. Mm. That's people believing that someone else, you know, a, a, a pub owner, his family, his staff, they're saying you shouldn't be opening because of something I believe in. Now, the amount of fucking ego that is involved in that statement, you shouldn't open because I believe that this is wrong. If you don't, if you don't believe in it, don't go to that pub. Yeah, go somewhere else. It's easy. Don't don't be abusing people that are trying to make a living. Pubs got the normal. So for everyone around the world, normal pubs during the first lockdowns, etc. By normal pub balance means pubs into, that don't that don't serve food. Don't serve food. Yeah. So they, what they ended up being calling was wet pubs. Yeah. Uh, pubs that serve food, you could go in, you could make a book, and you could sit for ninety minutes. Wet pubs, as they were called, pubs that just served alcohol weren't allowed to open. They got to open for two weeks, yeah. wasn't it? In October yeah. or November. That was it. Two weeks was all they got and then we locked down again. So this is these are people for almost a year and a half now who've had no living bar that what three hundred If they even got that most some of the staff probably didn't get that. If they even got that. Exactly, yeah. 
So this could be college staff that are, you know, young lads like yourself, putting yourself through college, working, paying your way through college. Someone that's trying to pay a mortgage on a pub, trying to, you know, if, if they're the owner, support their family. And all of that is decimated. They get the opportunity to open back up. They're getting abused for it. As you said there as well, they're getting mm-hmm. death threats. And what's happening as well is loads of people are making fake bookings and yeah. not turning up. And I'll also just kind of point out that those wet pubs that were closed down, they still had to pay the rent for the building and the other fees that come with it. They they yeah. weren't they weren't free from those yeah, payments. The bank weren't going, ah, lads, you're yeah. grand. You're grand, yeah. lads. Don't worry about they it. They weren't free no. from making payments, even though they weren't getting what they should be getting. Mm. So as you can tell, that's me big mm. royal. One, don't liken yourself to Jews mm. and Holocaust. Two, don't take it out in the pubs. Take it up with your government. And don't, you know, you can be anti-government without being mm-hmm. anti-vaccine. Like, no, I, I don't. There's not many people are going to say that the Irish government have handled no, this well. And I have been in support of the government for most of it, up kind of until mm. the last few months when they've started kind of veering into the pub situation and how they won't just do it straightforward. They're kind of going back and forth with every decision they make. But I'm still not that case where I'm going to go and abuse fucking pub staff. I'm not going to go into yeah, work and abuse the rest of the lads in there. Because we're not open. Yeah. yeah. Cody in her in her closing words of wisdom, you know, she has she she'll have some good advice for you if, mm. if that's what you do. Like So as you can tell <laughs> as we big mm. royal this week. <laughs> oh, it's just like for fuck's mm-hmm. sake, like just leave people alone. It's not their fault they're trying to make a living. Like if you don't like what that pub's doing, just don't yeah. go to You know. Well, what all this portraying fucking betraying what Michael Collins and all this <laughs> fought for, and it's like yeah, they, they fought for the right to not get vaccinated. Like, yeah, to fought for your choice, and mm-hmm. you have the choice. Just don't don't expect yeah. the ben- benefits of a vaccine if you're yeah. not willing to get the vaccine. Yeah, you're not being shot. Your women aren't being raped. You're not being fucked into ovens. You're not mass burials. You're not fucking Jews in the Holocaust, lads. So that's me, Royal. What's your, what's your well, smiles? Do, well, while we're here, do, we, do you want to do your smile? And then we'll move on to mine. Well, I'll do yeah. my smile. You, well, you're a bit of a smile and a bit of a Royal. What did I do? <laughs> the fuck did I do? Because you cost me nothing but fucking Now, hold money. on. <laughs> oh, before before he tells his fucking story here, because okay, he's going to bring up, he got, he got a PlayStation 5, okay? And? What do you mean, and? And? What the fuck do you mean? Oh, you got Air Forces as well. You, which you also <laughs> wanted, okay? Since, but it was blissfully since, ignorant. Since the PlayStation 5 came out, all he has been saying to me is, if you see someone selling them, let me know. Every time I've seen somebody selling them, whether it be Smith's or whatever, I let him know. He's never been able to get one. <laughs> I, I sent him yeah. I sent him a private link for Smith's last week and he bought the PS5 and he started giving out that I'm costing him fucking money. Even though he asked, <laughs> he asked me to let him know when to get it for him. <laughs> and then we we went to JD and I, I had to get new Air Forces. No, no, I got back there. So first of all, Sunday, I was like, you were here, Cam- uh, James was here as well. I was like, oh, sure, I have to drop, I have to drop James back. So, you know, we go down to, go down to uh, Tesco's and I like, get something for breakfast then and stuff like that. As we were down there, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's the silk and all. Yeah, who wondered? Who wondered? You. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, we but that was that was a nice little tradition. We were just getting going yeah. before we locked but down who, fully again. I think we had about two because you'd be in late on a Saturday, and it's like, oh, should we go hmm. for breakfast? And we go for a walk, and we're having the chats, and we're sitting down and having breakfast in the silken. And I was like, oh, we might be able to get it, so we got it. So I was like, first of all. I'm out, I'm out of pocket. But who wondered if the silicon was open? It wasn't fucking me. <laughs> and then I was like, all right. And then you're like, oh, you bring me over to Newbridge. I was like, yeah, well, you watch me to get, oh, I want to get a pair of runners. I want to get a look at the Air Force ones. And then that, that uh, conversation ensued around that of going, unbeknownst to us, the two of us had bought the exact same runners <laughs> in the past. What, what, what models oh, the were fuck it, The Court Visions does. Horrible looks. So, for anyone who doesn't know, Nike Air Force Monster, you know, they're they're just a fresh looking pair of pair of runners, and they also had these these ones that Cameron mentioned there as well. Now, unbeknownst to two of us, in in our own separate lives, we both bought these ones because like, well, they look almost identical, and they're like forty quid cheaper. So it's like, <laughs> makes sense. Get the cheaper mm. one. What's the difference? Until you fucking wear them. And they are not comfortable. They are painful to wear. It's not even uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's a pair in my closet that are practically brand new because I wore them twice, maybe three times. And each time was like, oh, fuck yeah. I remember mm. why I didn't wear these. So you went in, bought a pair of Air Force ones. And I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have just a fresh white pair of sneakers. I normally wear the, the Adidas, the All Stars. And, you know, I've got different colors and all of that. I was like, I just don't have a fresh white pair. So yeah, and he blames me. <laughs> and I text Ashley, she's like, I was like, I'm out of fighting a pair of runners. <laughs> I have a pair of Yo MTV wraps, two pairs, a black and a grey pair. One pair I wore the black, and the grey pair are still in the box uh, because I had to get them, obviously, because they're Yo MTV wraps. And then during the week, he sent me this, and I was like, ah, sure, that'll be gone. I won't be, uh, get on. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, Jesus, check out. Hang on did a second. Did him a huge favor. <laughs> Send him this Maybe fucking private link and he comes and gives out about spending money. Fucking That's asshole. So, so I could, could have done what I would, <laughs> would have been blissfully ignorant. Come, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I was blissfully mm. ignorant. <laughs> but now I'm now I'm stuck in yeah. Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I'll see, you're, you're delighted. Five. Yeah. So that, that that's me smiling <laughs> and that's me a smidgen mm. of a rile in that. Yeah. But now I have to get the fucking have to see if the PlayStation 5 is going to fit. Where the PlayStation 4 was. It's a yeah. big bitch. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it is Holy enormous. Holy shit, I knew it was big, but mm. it is big. Yeah, and the weight of it. Um, so, yeah, I finally got one, though. So, James, myself and James will be playing PlayStation yeah. 5 together. Yeah. That's me smiles, that's me royals. What about uh, yourself? We share the same royal. I'm not, not going to bring it up again. I don't think we need to. But it's uh, mm. the exact same topic. Just with pubs getting... Yeah. Abuse over opening or not opening doesn't matter which way you go. You're you're getting heat for it. Yeah, yeah. and I suppose me smiled. Just what is me smiles now? I did have one lined up, but now you got to take the notes, man. That's why it's sticking on me. No, I had it lined up because it was kind of about it was, and it's usually a big one as well because I go, Mm. Astor, that's so big. I'll I'll never forget that. And then I was like, oh shit, what was I about to say? The smile was kind of about cut like. The nice customers in work, but I can't really talk mm. about that when I've just talked about how shit people have been in the pub. And the bad, the bad yeah. customers. Yeah, yeah. All right, give give us something okay. else. Give us something else because all people know is yeah. your work. That's, that's all I fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I want to talk about? I don't know. I'm fuck. I'm fucking <laughs> lost here now. 
I don't, I don't normally plan this far ahead. It normally just yeah. comes to me. Freestyle. Yeah, no, not not. Yeah, a little. Yeah, failed the plan. Yeah, no, this this one has gone. This one's gone bad. Yeah, that, 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 see, this is why you listen back. You go, oh, all right, okay, now we can learn something from that. Take fucking notes. <laughs> so I've got something to talk about on the podcast next week. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm going to leave it out this week. Be here all day. <laughs> next week, you're going to be one smiley motherfucker. <laughs> Loads of smiles. Well, I had two of them last week. <laughs> Writing them all I down. had two last week. I think I think they can carry over. All right. <laughs> All right, the books yeah, are balanced there, there, there again. There was two they? smiles and no riles last week, so now they're they're gonna All they're right. gonna fix All themselves right. this week. That's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna justify it. So this week we are straight talking childhood abuse and the different guises that comes under. Usually traditionally we tend to think sexual abuse, but it does also cover physical abuse and emotional abuse. And we're very happy today to be talking to Cody. Obviously not not the real name as we've hidden that because of details within the story. We do need to issue a little bit of a trigger warning perhaps around this episode, something we don't usually do, but I know from my own clinical experience that this is something so familiar, something I've heard so many times that this is going to be something that may be in there for for some people. So if you do need to step away, please do. Please take time to take care of yourself and come back to the episode because there is going to be something you're going to learn from this. With that being said, a huge welcome to Cody. Basically, I guess I wrote to you about that because I was after listening to, I just found your po- uh, podcast there a few weeks ago and I've, I've listened to as many as I can so far and I plan on getting through them all. I think it's really good um, and really interesting and insightful and I think it would be really good for so many people to listen to and I guess I I just said, feck it, I'm going to write to you because I always wanted to kind of make more things a little bit more aware things that I discovered that I wish that I had insight to help for and just people I could like talk to about it a long time ago like say when I was about 19 that's when everything kicked off I'm 27 now so that's been a long time and basically with the BPD thing you can imagine there's like trauma in in the house mm-hmm. extreme extreme trauma for a long time so for people that don't know Cody could you explain BPD what that is so borderline it's borderline personality disorder and basically there's nine criteria that a person has to meet um they have to meet i think five of them mm. and you know then you would be considered bpd or even having traits of bpd and basically it's a lot of emotional instability uh there's things that come under it like you're probably more likely to have an eating disorder Uh, You've probably experienced sexual abuse, physical, emotional abuse. Um, There's, it's very complicated, and there's, there's just so much to it, really. Uh, But it is a a pretty extreme personality disorder that normally comes from a lot of trauma when you're younger. Yeah, I think there's about, I think it's something like there's an eighty-six percent correlation with childhood trauma and uh, a later diagnosis of. So basically, you've got childhood trauma. Yeah. Severe childhood trauma. A lot of There's it. There's a fair chance this, you know, something like this is going to happen. Yeah. And like, I know there are people who can uh, have BPD who basically they can say that they had the most normal childhood and stuff like that as well. Mm. And and they can be. Definitely a, a very... the minority, though. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And 
you know, if I, if I was to say that to somebody, BPD, all my friends and my family, the normal ones who I'd probably be talking to about it, they they wouldn't have a clue. And it, it would kind of go right over their head because it is so mm. complicated, you know, and it took me a long time to really understand it. Um, the first time that I guess I looked into it and realized I was I was really, really struggling for a very long time with my mental health. My my granddad had died when I was 19 suddenly, and he was basically my dad. He kind of, he reared me. My grandparents reared me. And my parents were separated. And I would see one on the weekend, one weekend, and I would see the other on the other weekend. Now, my granddad was, like my like I said, my dad, and he was everything to me. He died very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And then just boom. It was like all the stuff that I had like suppressed for my entire life. I was just ready. I was in college. I was like, I am getting out of this family. I am gone I am getting my career and I am leaving the country mm. and it I just I ended up that happened and I went back to my home house which was where my granddad and my granny reared me and it just turned to complete another turmoil from then on really everything resurfaced and my family I, I, I love them um but it was very very difficult living with my my grandmother I would say she has definitely has narcissistic personality disorder and it was just like complete mental torture, Com- like complete in our So like it just all triggered from everything from younger years and probably all that like uh, sexual abuse to everything just, just surfaced and I was just in self-sabotage then. Yeah, so... So the death, the death of your grandfather, kind of, kind of triggered it, started it for you, Cody. We had, um, we had Arlene on a, a few weeks back, and she spoke around uh, bipolar, and hers had kind of been set off by the death of her father. It kind of this, this brought it to the surface. Your grandfather was a fairly stable paternal figure in your life, and and the loss of him was obviously hugely yeah. significant to you. Yeah, he was probably. In, in, in that part of my family, like, so that's, that's, that's my mother's side of the family. He was the only stable person. He was just, like, just very loving, the protector, mm. you know, like, my granny be, like, torturing me all day. Like, she did the best she could. She just didn't know any other way, but she was rough. Like, she was, you know, cruel. And... When, when you say cruel, Cody, what do you mean by that? Uh, like... Basically, you couldn't do anything right, ever. I was just, sorry, 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 sorry. Like, it took me years to get out of it, you know? And mm. then um, just using things against you, calling you names. Like, sometimes I, w- I remember bringing a friend home from school and primary school to do homework. We're sitting at the kitchen table, and I remember she, she came in, and she just slapped me across the face in front of her. Stuff like that. Like, And then, like, she just, she would just lash out like you know what I mean but then mm. she would be like this really kind of protector in other ways so it was very confusing I have no doubt that that's yeah, yeah. that's where splitting can for me like you know mm. you don't know how to take somebody um yeah, yeah go on sorry um you know it's, it's funny that you know when, when we think of uh, bad stuff in childhood we obviously we think of sexual abuse but that physical abuse we had actually we had sean on uh, a couple of months back around uh, borderline personality disorder mm. and uh, it kind of led into his experience when uh, i think he described it as something like um 
uh, he had a he had a dose of parenting in the eighties or something like that, <laughs> which he meant you got yeah. fucking, you got clattered. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you, uh, we kind of dismiss it as like Asher. Everyone was doing it. You know, Asher. They were the times. And I was like, but what what would happen if you walked into someone and slapped them in the face in a bubble? Yeah, and that happened yeah, to me as well. It, that's assault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And you know what? It's probably actually the fact that I was reared by my grandparents too, because that's the same, you know, generation. Like that was Absolutely. completely yeah, normal. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's funny because like when you asked about my granddad there, and I'm saying he was the protector and very stable. Like sometimes. Now, like, I did get that kind of physical abuse, but I used to turn around to her sometimes and be like, I wish you fucking hit me and I could show the bruises because you're actually driving me insane with what you're saying mm-hmm. and what you're doing. And, like, you know, that's the way I felt about it. Um, I didn't get, like, beat. Like, I think I know the the episode you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, it was with his father and he was very... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really good. He was really cool. Um, fair play to him. He's obviously done a lot of work on himself. And, yeah. Um, definitely inspiring um but i would literally be a kid and sometimes you know you get slapped or something or whatever and i'd be you know i was i'd be sitting there then waiting for my granddad to come home from work and the minute he come home i'd be like that's after me and i'd like go and, and she'd be like laughing because she's like you fecker after getting me in trouble now you know <laughs> but he would like he'd always save you do you know what i mean yeah. like but it was probably it was normal for her like that's all she knew it really that was just normal it was crazy there's loads more to it but you know that was just normal for her yeah as you said that that sort of generation um and you know i you know it's a big bugbear for me that you know people going around hitting their children and um Mm. it's 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 very difficult that um, and Cameron, you know, when he was little nipper, he would have got a little tap on the bum, like that sort of thing. That was that was ever the extent of it, and that obviously never carried on. But it's 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 I think, and it's so typically Irish that we just dismiss it. I don't yeah, remember you sure. ever hitting me. I'm going to sue you for that now. <laughs> you should, you should have told you know, me. It was, it was literally a small little thing. You get the, you get the little tap on the wrist when something did something dangerous or something <laughs> yeah. like that. But you know, it never, never needed to be done as a child. And you know, and look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm guilty of it myself. Of well, you know, I did what was done to me, but I didn't do what was done to me. I, I certainly, I certainly lessened it. Um, yeah. But this, this kind of thing around Asher was normal, and we all got it. It's like no, you know, we need to understand this as. Depending on your age, I mean, if you're whatever size, you know, three, four, you know, an adult is four or five times your height. Like, True. Yeah. And it's also not done anymore. So there was clearly an issue with it before if it's just been almost entirely stopped. Oh, it definitely hasn't. It definitely hasn't. I think there's no, definitely more awareness around it. Yeah, it's not as normalized as what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, like you're not um, going to see somebody like the way you could have years ago getting murdered in the shop, like, you know, in front of yeah. you. Like everybody's yeah. going to be like staring them out of it on, you know. Yeah, like, like even if you see a parent dragging their child by the arm or the wrist, it's kind yeah, of, yeah, even geez, that's what, what, what yeah. the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm the Are same. you giving the look like I'm yeah. fucking murdering yeah. you yeah. at home? <laughs> so true. I'd be yeah. the exact same now. I it would absolutely just infuriate me, and I would. I'd probably just stare them out, but be like, I yeah, see, yeah. I, see oh, I have you. to. I, I even hear parents. <laughs> I remember I was in Tesco's one day, and a parent shouting at the child for the child shouting. <laughs> what are you shouting for? Yeah. Well, where do you think the fucking child's getting it from? <laughs> yeah, that's. I thought that was always hilarious because my my granny would have been so like that. Like she'd be like. 
if I ever did anything or maybe cursed or said shite, she used to kill me for even just saying that. Like, mm. And she cursed so much all the time. And it's like, well, well, of course, where did she blame it? Where are you getting that from? And I'm like, where do you think? Like? <laughs> I didn't lick it off a stone. Yeah, and I'm looking at her with amazement, just like, really? <laughs> but uh, she was definitely kind of like, you know, children are meant to be uh, seen and not heard. She said, oh, yeah. she said that, like, you know, that no, that I was her that belief. One. Like, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm totally with you on the whole abuse thing. And like, again, like, if even if just like a little bit of you know kind of a slap here and a slap there uh, just trying to even stop a child from hurting themselves more or something mm. i know mm. like you're like oh, i shouldn't do it or maybe it just happens some people just mm. do it they don't mm. mean to actually really hurt them or anything yeah yeah and yeah. that's still looked at as wrong you can imagine like the, uh, like that's obviously doing some that could do some mm. damage so like when you think about people actually getting properly physically and mentally and verbally abused really badly like the damage that's going to cause is just it's just crazy and you and you've experienced it God, yeah. you know you, you're here speaking as an adult on this so you know i go on about it on the podcast but and it is it does get me riled up but you know if if you are a parent listening to this and i know i i've spoken to people that have listened to it and go okay geez actually you made me really aware of the impact of that yeah um and i'm trying to be better and that's it you know we're, we're, we're trying to bring this awareness of something because when we know better we can do better yeah. So, okay, admit to yourself, okay, okay, shit, right, it might have been, you know, that may not have been good up to this point. I'm going to make a very conscious effort now to, to try and cut this out because uh, I remember I had a client, Jesus, great, you know, just one of these young lads just had been through the ringer and just had the insight of it. Mm. And his father had severely beaten him. His mother had given him a good few slaps. So he moved out of home, moved in with his granny. The granny gave him a few slaps um, and he made this brilliant point. He said, if you can't make a point without being physically abusive, you don't have a very good point. That's actually, that's. Really and I was good. like, Jesus, this guy, he's only 21 or something like that. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's very insightful. And because he'd been through it, because you don't have a point. If you need to hit me, you haven't yeah. got a very strong point. And how, yeah. how many of those that, that experience physical abuse end up being the type of people to go out to a pub and just start throwing slaps at everybody? As well, soon as there's a bit of alcohol involved. Oh, yeah, because I think yeah. what happens, and I would see it a lot, particularly with a lot of men, of that repressed anger with mm. a parent like that that was physically abusive, bullying and stuff like that. You can't strike back, so you bury it all. And then like that, something happens on a night out, and this, oh. geez, I remember I had a client before, and like that, the father hit him, and he said he had to be, it took three lads to drag him off. Your man in the pub. Your man come up, started on him in the pub, and this rage was just unleashed with him and everyone was like what the fuck what happened what like jesus christ you're you're the least he said i just all i seen and he said i used to and he used to fight professionally he says i just used to envision my father yeah and just unleashed hell to anyone that was but they're they're all taught that a negative action is is punished with a slap so the way they see it is somebody bumps into them in the pub okay they deserve a slap yeah yeah, that's so true. Like, geez, everything you're saying there, um, funny enough, like I have a, I actually have five younger brothers. <laughs> uh, they're all my half brothers. Um, but uh, the eldest, like what you described there, 100%, that is him. Like he, he, he does, like he's, he's only gone 20 now, but, um, mm. and he's a good lad. He really is so good. But like his father 
is was my is my stepfather so he, he's mm. not my father um and he was very very mean to him and physically abusive and you know it got to the point where my brother got big enough to stand up for himself like you know what I mean and then one day like my stepdad was I think he was like having a go at my ma and um that's when my brother literally uplifted him and I yeah. think I think he broke his arm like you know what I mean but then he's going around oh. like oh god I now he he obviously felt really bad and stuff but like mm. my stepdad also injured my brother you know what I mean? When he was younger and, and he was, he put on weight at one stage when he was younger and he'd call him, you know, fat and like, just so like mean and just, he has serious anger issues now. Like I could say the nicest thing to him and he'd be like, and I'm like, oh Jesus. Just so reactive. Calm down. Like I'm, you know, I'm not trying to rise you, you know, mm. uh, he's getting better now. He's getting more chilled out. But like, I look at him and I'm like, of course he's that way. Of course course like to be honest with you he's mm. doing well even the fact that that's that's all he has right now and if he's working mm. and if he can work on that um and then the rest of the family so i'm gonna when i say family i mean my mad side of the family i'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna put them all in one bracket so it's not confusing mm. they're very toxic they have no insight into mental health whatsoever they think it's a joke um and you know every one of them should actually probably be in therapy and on, <laughs> on, on medication. Like seriously, the, the ones that are in therapy are there because the others wouldn't go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me. And, yeah. uh, but like they would look at him and go, Oh, oh he is, uh, you know, he, he's just a horrible young lad. Like he's, he's just dirt. Like, you know, and it's like, yeah. like, when are you ever going to take responsibility for, you know, it, it's just so frustrating to see adults be like, Oh, the kids are this and the kids are that. And I'm like, we're this way because of you, you know? And, yeah. you know, I think people need to be more insightful about that too. And then there's some people that are never going to hear it, unfortunately. No. no. But it's it's a really good point that you made about the outburst because that's ex- literally exactly the way it affected him. Yeah. Mm. That's, and that's uh, and where it may not then manifest as that outburst of anger, it can manifest then in severe depression. Because yeah. that anger gets turned in on the self. Yeah. You can't direct it out into the world. So yeah. and a large part of depression is self-hatred. So you just yeah. collapse in on yourself. Yeah. And it's funny. I kind of think in my experience with uh, BPD, I think with everything I went through, I was I was always quiet. Like, just, I was always soft, you know, like, like very, like, emotional. Like, I wouldn't want to ever hurt anybody or anything like mm. that. And I got so used. Isn't it funny though in that language, Cody? You know, soft. Yeah. You know, we think emotional, we think soft. Yeah, we're always called soft. You're so you're too soft. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then it's put on you. Yeah. And like. (laughs) So we're only messing. You're just you're overly sensitive. You're just too sensitive. Yes. Oh, you can't take a joke. Yeah. 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 It's like no, this is fucking wrong. Yeah. No, you're mean. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. uh, (laughs) I'm not the problem. Yeah. And it's so like. When I first realized, when I first got kind of diagnosed with BB, to be honest with you, I wasn't fully, it was a very rocky road of trying to figure it out. And uh, I ended up finding out about it from a psychiatrist I only seen once. And he actually said to me, he was, he was asking me questions at a really bad time in my life. I had been to hospital and everything. And I finally got on this kind of mental health scheme thing here. Mm. And that's another thing we could definitely talk about where... I feel so sorry for anybody trying to get help. 
like when I say I was I was at a place where I was just hanging off cliff like I was so I was just barely hanging on you know and only that I had my boyfriend my fiance now I won't love like he he was my rock we mm. like that's he actually you know he got me to go and get help and everything and it took a long time for him to convince me even though god i knew i was falling apart but for some reason mm. you just don't push yourself to go sometimes and what what do you think he was seeing cody what did you know that's what what was he witnessing that he was like oh we need to we need to do something here. oh god what wasn't he seeing so from the very beginning he just he just could not believe my family he could not believe like i was 21 22 and i, I was shaking all i was wasn't allowed to do anything like I was living at home, I couldn't, I just was in trouble all the time. And I would, I would like, you know, ask permission for absolutely everything because I was trained yeah. to do that. And like, here's an example. One, it was one of our first date nights we were going out on and I was at home in my grandparents' house and I was getting ready and I was all dressed up and I was like excited to go and see my boyfriend or whatever. And my granny comes home like seven o'clock or something and my my aunt throws her in the door and she's hammered i don't know where she was or how she's not normally like that and she Mm. during the day it was random but she would just she just looked at me as if who do you think you are like you know you're you're all dressed up and then i was like oh no i have to try and like deal with this now and i can't get away and i went out to the back shed to get turf to stick it on the fire before we go uh, made her a cup of tea. My aunt was like, "Make her a cup of tea. I'm gone." Trying to placate her. Yeah. Tread on eggshells. Mm. Treat her oh, nice. God. Well, yeah, just normal. All the preventative things. Yeah, just normal. I was like, I should uh, like they want me to stay here and mind her now, but I'm like, no, I have plans. I am going, like mm. you know, and like the anxiety I would have from all those anything. So I went out to the shed anyways to get turf, and she, this woman can't even walk. She jumps up and locks me outside the back door in the rain. And one of Jesus me Christ. Here. Yeah, like just randomly, like, you know, and and then I'm like, oh, let me in. Like I'm in high heels and then a dress, like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, let me in. And then she finally lets me in, like, oh, you know, and then I just I went. So like that's a tiny mm. that's actually just a small example. So you you knew obviously you knew this stuff, this stuff wasn't right, but he's coming along and he's going, hang on a fucking second. This yeah. th- that kind of external validation that no, there's something, there's something wrong here. Yeah, there was, he, he definitely tried to teach me boundaries, which I just t- still don't have. Mm. Like, I don't have mm. that, well, a lot, I'm a lot better, but uh, I was like, he was just like, that's just, I don't care how much you love them, how much they love you, how good they are to you, when they're good to you, that's messed mm. up, like, and um. so then basically, you know, I would just be, because I was still kind of suffering from the loss of my, my granddad, like I, I suppressed it and I wasn't allowed to grieve because I didn't hurt more than they did. Do you know what I mean? Things like that. Like, it's just crazy. Mm. And I would just cry every night. Like I would just, just cry and talk and cry and talk and cry. And then it became like, I obviously it just got worse with the symptoms of BPD where I was obviously with my partner and I had severe abandonment issues, which I thought I didn't have when I read it. I was like, (laughs) I don't have abandonment issues. What? Like, but then I realized that abandonment issues isn't just the fear of somebody going away and never come back. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. also the fear of they're going to cheat on you. They're going to 
you know it's the fear of letting people in as well yeah like <laughs> you it, know they can't they can't abandon you if you don't let anyone in yeah <laughs> like i have to say i probably went the other way with that though like i definitely went all in with everything yeah, straight away yeah, friends yeah. love them to be do too much it's like intense like you know what i mean mm. and do everything let them walk all over me and then so so you won't be abandoned yeah i guess i got i got i got trained to to do everything for people who treat me like shit you know what i mean and like yeah so basically i i ramble so much like we we, we say that i'm like i'm like the crossroads that goes like this when i try to get there don't worry um there's just so much really um to it i guess um and examples but basically he started to see we were together a couple of years at this stage and it was stuff like he would go out and I would just freak out, freak out. And like, it wasn't even, you know, people say mm, BPD can be manipulative. Yeah, it is. I see that it can be manipulative even accidentally, you know, subconsciously mm. where you, you're so, I would just be like in bits, crying, shaking, thinking he was going to go, he was going to leave me, he was going to cheat on me. And then the, the rows that would start would just be, you know, absolutely through the roof you wouldn't believe it and like then the next day or later on I would just be numb because of I would just I think dissociate from Mm. it all and I probably self-sabotaged it was the thing of like I think he's going to cheat on me I can't trust him and I would split this is another thing that's part of BPD if people don't know Mm. splitting is the first thing that I really um went oh my god that's that's me I would, with my partners along the way, I could just change your mind. I would be like, oh my God, no, this person did something that's after making me think they're all bad. Even though, and everything they would do, everything they ever did, I would see in a negative light. I'd be like, no, that actually was because he was trying to manipulate me and be controlling and blah, 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 blah. And then within an hour, I would be like, I love them to bits again. This is all gone. Let's forget about that. Mm. Mm. And it's just a roller coaster of that. And it's absolutely, you're always going to push people away like that. Like, but you're so out of control with that. If you don't, if you don't learn how to deal with it. And lucky for me, the partner I'm with was so unbelievably insightful. He's Mm. so insightful. Like he would see patterns and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he'd be like, yeah. Uh, you know, like basically placing this pattern out and I go, Oh my God. Like, yes, it is. It is a pattern. And, um, these things were happening. but triggering those uh, you know early childhood experiences of abandonment yeah oh 100%. you know you you regress back to that state like a child you know crying you know all of that kind of stuff because that's what you would have done yeah when we first experience these feelings yeah and i guess like i think I think when I used to listen to people saying saying this exact thing, you know, I go, but I don't, I don't go back into like feeling like a child. That's something for people to understand. Is it doesn't necessarily feel that way to you. You think that no, you are totally perfect. rational, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. not, you know, yeah, um, you know, until you really, you really try and pay attention. And um, but he was also seeing at this point things like that starting to happen see me break down just all the time like we're actually both musicians so when we sometimes go to play like I would just the anxiety that I would have before everything 
I would end up having a fight with him because mm. I would be over emotional and then I would mm. cry and everything just all the time, just up and down like a yo-yo. And then also when it would get bad and I would think I started like self-harming. And at this time, I also had an eating disorder, a severe eating disorder from the time I was 19 when my, my granddad passed away. Mm. And Would that have been anorexic or bulimic? It started uh, out, it started out, as me just restricting thinking you know I was kind of bullying myself I was like if you were any good you'd be able to eat less like why are you so greedy why are you so fat like I would be talking to myself like that and I would just cut down cut down cut down and then I started to learn about calories and everything and oh Mm. I would just try and eat as little calories as I could and at the time I was actually living in my biological dad's house um, because I'd moved away from my granny and all because I just ran away and I never went back for Mm. a, a year and I didn't plan on it. I just, once I went, I was so afraid to go back and face her because I just left the house because I went to my dad who was, you know, not okay. Mm. So um, basically this eating disorder just kind of took over that way. And then one night I remember I was coming home from work and I just, I couldn't get into the kitchen to get anything to eat. And I found this box of biscuits and I, they got one of those big like Christmas two layer things and I just mm-hmm. ate every single biscuit like scoffed it and I was like so disgusted at myself I was like what did I just do I couldn't believe it I was like so horrified at myself because the work I tried to do to get skinnier and skinnier and then I went and I made myself sick and then from that I felt like I couldn't stop the cycle it's not that I wanted to uh, binge and purge but it started and I couldn't stop it because I was like, restrict, restrict. Oh God, no, tomorrow I can't eat. I can't eat for three days. I can't eat for as long as I can. And then um, it just went through a cycle over years. Like I'm only getting the better of it now, you know, in the last year. And it just took a cycle of that, you know, the the anorexia to uh, binging and purging to it. I eventually stopped that I tried, I tried really hard and I did and I stopped, but then I got to restricting and I found a way that just, I was able to just get by in life barely and do what I had to do, like work, uh, gig, do all these things until like, I like fainted on stage, you know what I mean? And, and then, you know, my- You actually fainted on stage? Yeah. Yeah, hit the death, like, yeah, yeah. And my partner was like, you know, this you have to make a choice you he was like you have to decide are you going to let this this is ruining our relationship too because it was obviously ruining me as well not just that Mm. but that was huge because I had no energy and I was Mm. always in bad form anyways and he was like you have to try and the point of starvation so you're you're constantly in a stressed state when you know people joke when we hear the expression i was hangry oh god no you're angry because you're hungry but that's literally your brain goes into fight or flight of going get fucking food wherever you can do whatever you need to do Mm. because we need to live yeah you're constantly in that state of stress Mm. like i I, if i get hangry now i'm like feed me right now right now (laughs) straight away like i can't i can't take it anymore it's (laughs) i'm like how the hell did i do that how did i how did your body gets used to it you know Mm. and uh, he he made me he he did give me i think that's a good thing to think about too sometimes people tip to tiptoe a little bit too much when people need to be confronted that you need to make a choice and only you can do it and Mm. you know think of the consequences if you don't do it Without being a, you know, hard, like... A bit cold, of tough love, I suppose. Tough love, tough love. And at the yeah, time, yeah. I was like, you horrible fucker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, yeah. he wasn't, <laughs> you know. And um, 
it kind of it made me think right if I want to try and have any sort of life I need to I need to really fix this I need to have energy to do the things I want to do I need to not be like this so I started working on it from then so he's seen all these things and also in between that there was cutting as well and and suicide attempts and mm-hmm. that I didn't get help until I actually had a suicide attempt where I I overdosed well I went and I went to the doctors and I was on medication and um funny enough I I went to a I went a few times and finally he made me go thank god he made me go um to a hospital and that's something that I definitely have to to put out there this hospital you're waiting there like I was severely suicidal completely suicidal this stage like and you're waiting there for hours to go and talk to somebody and I went in to talk to a psychiatrist I think it was Mm-hmm. And he was in with me, my partner, and the psychiatrist literally just act like he really did act like, oh my god, like why, why I I can't be dealing with this right now type of thing. And this is in a hospital; it's for that. Like, and he yeah. he gave me medication. I actually we went to to get me kept in because it was too much pressure for my boyfriend. I couldn't turn to my family; they're the reason I'm this way. Mm-hmm. Um they even would make oh you're on happy pills ho oh, ho like you know just completely Jesus. yeah and um so we wanted to get me kept in and he basically turned around he was like look uh to be honest with you she'll probably just get worse if she's in here so if you could just sign this to take responsibility you know just in case and take her home with you so if i had to kill myself that was on his head yeah and he had to make no, that decision. no liability for them yeah and I was basically begging to be kept in because he was nearly begging me and then I was begging because I didn't want to put it on him anymore mm. and then from that they gave me medication I remember it was Prozac and it was Xanax and mm. uh, I ended up getting into this mental health scheme a few weeks later I think or whatever um from the doctors and this psychiatrist then that I seen and actually mentioned the BPD thing to me also said, now I, I'm not a doctor with the medication, so I'm not sure. But he turned and he was like, you shouldn't have been put on Xanax because that can make you more impulsive and you're already impulsive enough. And uh-huh. yeah. And in between this, these two uh, things, I had had that suicide attempt while I was on the medication and I ended up in hospital with my stomach pumped and everything. So, and that's when I got into the scheme. That's what I talk like as well. You know what I mean? Not what I talk is, and that's what you need to do. But mm. like, you know, but that that extreme, like it was brutal. Mm. And I, I remember going to a, a my GP who had changed. It was now a girl doctor, and she like, she actually cried when I told her. Like you know, and wow. she wrote a massive letter to the hospital to try and get me help. Like so, there's some great doctors out there, and there's some there's some terrible ones. And, you know, that's yeah. the reality. But I, I do hope anybody listening, they'll realize that even if they get, if they need help, that even if they get put down by somebody and it's not the right way, there is another way to go about it. You know, mm. and it can make all the difference to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. thankful, thankfully, someone spotted something that was like, hang on a second. Mm. 
just just before we go further, um, Cody, I just want to for anyone that didn't check out our previous episodes, and always we we always have new new listeners on every episode. Uh, so just to touch, you touch on it a little bit at the start uh, that you know there's nine criteria and you have to meet five to be um, diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So just to quickly quickly scan through those: so chronic feelings of emptiness, emotional instability, day to day events, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Identity disturbance marked with mark disturbance with markedly or persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. Impulsive behavior um, in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. That could be spending all your money, sex, abuse, reckless behavior, inappropriate or intense anger or difficulty controlling anger, pattern of unstable or intense interpersonal relationships, uh, recurrent suicidal behavior, gestures or threats, self-harming behavior, and then a transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative uh, symptoms so that's quickly just that's that's the nine criteria you know maybe someone might listen to go oh shit but you obviously you take a few of them cody and i ticked all nine at the time oh, i yeah. was like jesus <laughs> christ sean was good sean was good when he was on and he didn't have all nine. <laughs> oh no i did uh, no actually do you know what the one thing i think i didn't have was like this the sexual promiscuous mm. thing like probably but like other than that it was like after being diagnosed sitting down with uh, my partner we were like holy shit like yeah. literally like whoa and the funny thing is when I was in the depths of my family growing up I was always like I'm just the normal one and then they were like oh you got borderline personality disorder I was just like mm. with me I do <laughs> you know mm um so yeah you mentioned the, the depths of of growing up with your family and and you, and you touched on a little bit earlier there as well cody there was some sexual abuse or molestation yeah as well that, that you had mentioned mm-hmm. so um that's actually originally what i i was uh, going to talk about mm. and um basically i was molested from the time i was eight till 16 so basically and this is a funny thing that i think people think when they have been through it they'll go oh it wasn't that bad you know it, it, I wasn't raped minimize it yeah. yeah I wasn't raped and um it was it was something he used to sneak into my room in the middle of the night and he used to try and touch me in the middle of the night and I would wake up and I'd be like what are you doing you know every time like I, it would happen every time I visited and um or every second third time I visited and I just couldn't sleep when I was in that mm-hmm. house I was like one eye open um, type of thing so this went on again like not to minimize it because for anybody who's had any experience like that like it is sexual abuse and it will damage you um, i i wrote a piece on sexual abuse and when yeah. i was um interviewing people um for the piece it was yeah. all about kind of common places of sexual abuse like in the workplace or in school mm. and most of them they said the first the first issue they had was they didn't know if it was sexual abuse or not and they didn't know if they had been raped or if it was something that they should maybe be bothered by or if it was just something that should be normalized. Yeah. And that was like the whole point of the piece is that, okay, if, some, if someone's touching you in public and you don't know them or someone's yeah. making sexual comments to you, it it is sexual abuse, even yeah. if they don't see it that way. There's- rape, I think I think by definition, rape is penetrative. Yeah. yeah. So that's whether it's oral, anal or vaginal. Yeah. And then sexual assault is non-penetrative. Yeah, pretty much everything else. I yeah. think technically, yeah. technically, I think. No, you're right. That's the definition. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think that there's just so many blurred lines. And it is like, like when I think about, I actually said it the first time it happened. I actually told my granddad. 
And uh, it was funny because I cried and I didn't know why. Because mm. I wasn't hurt. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it was something it just felt wrong and it, it, it freaked me out. Like, and I randomly just cried and told them I ate, you know? So it's, it's crazy. You, you instinctively know that there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, um, th- I, this is my stepdad, uh, just to clear it up anyways. Um, mm. oh, I won't mention names or anything, but no, no, <laughs> let's protect, <laughs> yeah. let's protect you and us in this. Yeah. And, um, basically I told him and he just goes, that's all right. You go to sleep. I'll sort that out, you know? And basically, I think he went to kill him and mm. probably should have. But like, uh, basically, my ma, I remember coming home from school, could have been the next day. It's a bit of a blur. Um, she was after ringing the house because she didn't live with me. Um, and she just went psycho at me. And she was like, how could you say this about him? You've gotten him into soft. Do you know the trouble you're after getting him into? Mm. The next time I was due, and then that was just like horrific for me. And then I felt like everybody just thought I was lying. Mm. They did. Or they thought I was confused or I dreamt it, you know, and I was a bit confused, you know, and, but I knew what happened. And then um, I just kind of obviously was young and I suppose I didn't have, didn't see them then until it was my weekend to go over there. And then that weekend, the first time there so I'm obviously nervous after what had happened because I know of course. I'm facing it like and I went in and she had to go to work and she left me there with him alone Fuck. yeah now he didn't do anything he he didn't this is the thing the whole way through it it was like but the fear like I, yeah. I'm trying to imagine the fear for yeah, a child it must be terrible went as as told what's happened and now was put into this scenario go okay now face this person that you've just yeah like face uh, them alone Christ. Yeah, and I, I guess, and like, I remember confronting her about that years later, and she's like, oh, I don't remember that. She doesn't, anything, I don't remember that. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that's convenient, you know. And look, don't get me wrong, like, I, I love my mother unconditionally. I don't think she could do anything to stop me loving her. But I don't like a lot of her personality mm-hmm. with that, and or with her choices more so. Um, mm. And I don't understand them. I still don't understand them. Um, because I ended up never saying it again, really, because I felt like I had to catch him and I had to prove it. So I used to leave bags in front of my door to make noise because I wasn't allowed to lock it in case he came in. I'd hear it and I'd wake up. Mm. And every night he'd like, you know, I'd wake up and it would be like, oh, I'd be like, what are you doing? Because I'd feel him putting his hand down my trousers, my pajamas bottoms. And I, he'd be like, oh, I'm just getting my charger. He'd always happen to leave his charger or something. And I actually went into my little brother's room and started sleeping in there thinking that would be a better idea because he wouldn't want to wake them up. Mm. Instead, it was actually worse because he was checking on them. You know what oh, I mean? Jesus. Yeah. And then, like, the worst thing is, like, I would wake up the next day and he'd just be sitting there at the kitchen table or something, like, just looking at me as if nothing ever happened. You know? And, and, and I was just... Like, I just didn't, I ended up just dealing with it, just dealing with it. Like, I just want to get up as I got older, I got angrier. And the last time he did it, I got up and I roared at him and I was like, I'm going to punch you in the face. You know what I mean? And that was the last time he did it. Um, But that wasn't again, like till I was 16. So, Mm. but through the, sorry, go on. What what was the frequency? I mean, would this have been every, every few months or? Yeah, every few months. Because I wasn't there all the time, mm, yeah. and um, there it was the 
the episode you had where you had a gentleman on and he was say, it was about being groomed. He realized he was groomed by somebody. Yeah, so we had we had Chris Pender on around um, childhood sexual abuse and uh, that was actually an interesting one and I know P has often alluded back to it that because Chris didn't know until I kind of said these kind of things around grooming of the secrecy, oh, this is our little secret, mm. or you get treated differently, or you're bought gifts, or or there's threats made that, you know, well, if you tell your mammy, now she's going to, and this is all going to be your fault, and mm. your, you know, your brothers, your siblings, they're going to be put into care, and I'm, I'm going to go to prison. Yeah. So that's that's the threatening side of it. Yeah. And then there's the sweet side of it, which is you're buying presents. I just got her that now. Asher, it's grand. Or, you know, all this, this kind of thing. Anything so to keep them quiet. It, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. You're, you're buying, you're either threatening, mm. or, or you're sort of buying off their, their, their secrecy yeah yeah and i i remember he only realized when you had said that like he was like god now that you say it yeah and i was like i just started to think about things like I'm, i was like yeah i definitely was in a different way i know he was kind of bribed as well it was like oh well i'm gonna mm. tell everybody whereas for me that was a bit i think it was a bit bit of both it was a bit coercive in terms yeah. of he'd be giving them alcohol and stuff like that and then it was well i'm gonna tell your parents that 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 you're gay yes um, that's it so it was both sides of it yeah and um it, it made me think about the course inside for me when he first came on the scene i was about what, seven or eight and um basically he was lovely he was so nice and like my family were so horrible at like you know drunk aggressive you're in the middle of it you're in the pubs with them mm. that type of thing and then he'd be like why do you have this child in the pub like you know this is wrong and save you from the situation and yeah. then like a little video and something like that like you know and then you're like oh he's so nice you know thank god somebody's here to save me and then mm. um and then like as soon as he, he married my ma really his whole demeanor changed anyways like he got cold and like it was like it was just complete face front like but with me once that started happening I just happened I didn't speak to him like I was ignorant to him you know and and I, I didn't really make eye contact with him like even thinking about it. and um he just gave a shudder I did yeah listening yeah yeah and um you know um basically the reason I realized I was groomed was that was probably the start of it you know just the, he was actually just being a normal person to me there but yeah, like yeah. um gaining trust I guess fine let's let's just even pretend that's not even part of it but then after that you know he started doing these I don't think it groomed me as such but and I remembered back he used to when I was got to 13 and stuff he started texting me like I'd be like, you know, obviously texting a guy or something like that. Mm. Somebody texts you, go, um, "Hey, how are you? Who's this? Mm. Whatever, you know." And uh, mm. he <laughs> randomly texts me, and I didn't have his number, obviously, because I hate him. Mm. And mm. Uh, he was like, "Hey, sexy, how weird is that?" You know, and and then I'd be like, "Who's this? Who's this?" Thinking it was some lad I liked. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then he'd say, and I'm like, "What?" And I just felt like I couldn't tell my ma. You mm. know, I couldn't even say it because it was just, it started. That's where I think it started. He would do little things like that where he realized I didn't tell. That's what I think. You know what I mean? 
and yeah, cause... there, there are the little boundaries that get pushed uh, you know, was... and it can be as well you know the kind of the hand on the knee for starters mm. yeah and then it just goes up the thigh that little bit more it's all these little pieces that's just pushing the boundary that a little bit more pushing the boundary that a little bit more and then it can be dismissed innocently of oh god oh sorry geez i didn't know that if there's any pushback on it yeah mm. But when there's no pushback, it's like, oh, well, let's push that boundary a little bit more. Yeah. Let's push that boundary a little bit more. Yeah. And it's sad because people don't really understand it from the outside, which I un- which I get. Like, it just, they're like, well, why didn't they just freak out? Like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Mm. But it was that thing of people not believing you and then bit by bit by bit or whatever, you know, even if it doesn't start off with people not believing you, but that definitely didn't help me. Mm. But mm. I was determined, like, I was also, in my head as a child, I was still trying to protect my family. I was trying to protect my mom, my little brother because I didn't want them to have to go through hell and and also like that type of thing starts going in your head like and you don't want to be the cause of it you feel like you're going to be the cause of it because you know you're going to blow it all up like yeah so, yeah it's, it's that victim blaming again mm. and it's like well this is all your fault yeah and that- oh hang on a fucking second this is what happened to me mm-hmm. I'm telling you what happened and then it splits the family or something and and the person that's been abused is the one that gets that gets blamed yeah as if they did something wrong. Yeah. It's fucking infuriating. It I really it is. In, I see it in practice the whole time. Really? Yeah. 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 It's probably, and that's another thing I was thinking of. I was like, I bet you this is far more common with. Uh, oh, like you wouldn't believe. Mm. But even even when a someone gets brought to court over rape, mm. and the, the first thing's brought up is, oh, the rapist's life is ruined now. He's got a bad name for himself. As yeah. if he didn't just, just rape somebody. Mm. What that girl's after doing to his life there yeah. now? Mm, and that's, exactly. that's a good point that's actually part of it that's infuriating for me I guess like it's a mixture of two things now I actually when I wrote to you I said um, my mother obviously said she didn't know at one point she actually rang me when I was an adult and said if anybody came to the door I wouldn't say anything would I so all of a sudden she she remembered something oh mm. well I just kind of remember you saying about you putting the bags in front of the door what Mm. like okay um and that just knocked me for six like for a long time mm. and then because that was the reality that she did know she might have known it all she knew something and then in the last year he he came out to her that he was having an affair and uh, she she kicked him out for that you know and she, and i'm her emotional like person she just talks to and vents to and and she's like whinging about this mm. woman and i'm like so this kills you you know what i mean and then she also kind of revealed she had seen him peeping on me and stuff like that but only, in the, only, only in the last year she stuck the toilet paper into the bathroom keyhole because she saw him down on his knees looking into it while i was having a bath and she also, she also said at the window, uh, another in another house we lived in, I was taking a shower and he was looking in the window and she said, oh, I went up and I smacked him in the head. And I'm like, that's great. Thanks. You know but, what I yeah, mean? Instead, uh, of, <laughs> instead of getting rid of him, she just. Yeah. Like, I understand she has, like I say, our family is very, there's a lot of like trauma down through the years. And um, it's a cycle of people with their own issues. Like, I do believe that she's nearly emotionally stunted at maybe yeah. 15 
is is what makes sense to me and like she just you usually with something like that then when someone gets stuck in that mm. it's probably an indicator that well that something's happened to her oh god yeah mm. yeah did, did you hear last week's episode where we had mark will in and he was talking about inherited family trauma yes that's what i was thinking as i was saying that yeah that's very Absolutely, interesting yeah very interesting you because know, even before you said that i was thinking you know you told her when it happened mm. and she still didn't get rid of him mm. And it just made me think of, you know, your fear of abandonment mm-hmm. and how much is that is inherited from her. Oh, God. So her own fear of abandonment meant she couldn't get rid of him. Because in spite of all it is, yeah. she couldn't get she couldn't get rid of him. Yeah, that's very true. Like, and uh, there's just, just so much intertwined there as well. Like, you know, obviously my granny is her mother who was narcissistic as well. Mm. You know, like I know the situation she grew up in. Like we would, we would be able to go, Jesus, like, this is starting again. And she got her a relation of hers her her sister um i'd say she has antisocial personality to be honest mm. like i don't know but jesus mm. like it's not borderline and it's not bp or it's not a uh, bipolar i don't think or maybe it's a mixture mm. of things but like my god she she she's physically murdered my mother over the years like i remember seeing her black and blue from top to toe you know, and then she just gets away with it. It's the family. Just it's 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 just the way it is. Like a little like I feel like if the Kardashians, like if people actually put videos into our house for the last twenty seven years, I'd probably be billionaire now because like <laughs> nobody would watch the Kardashians. I swear to God. <laughs> like at least I could have got something good out of it. You know, <laughs> the yeah. whole lot of us would be rich, be minted. And probably in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so the money be no good to you. <laughs> yeah. Just go into hiding <laughs> on an island somewhere. But uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how how did you feel then when when your mom did turn around and say she might have had an idea? Disgusting. What was that experience like? Disgusting. Yeah. I felt like my heart dropped into my stomach, and I just uh, went blank. My brain mm. just went like you are either going to just completely go like I kind of just separated myself from it, I think. And it's either going to be that or I was going to just be like explode. And I've held everything in a lot, like all the feelings towards her forever because I didn't feel like she could handle it. You know, mm. like all the rest of my family knew too, mm-hmm. all of them. You know, it's not like it was just her, but she was the one that asked them to leave him alone, basically. You know, so she does have, I have no doubt that she has serious guilt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, it's still, it's still done. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's interesting, Cody, because, you know, the things you mentioned there is, you know, we probably couldn't have segued it better from the last two guests we've had on where we had Jane Toner Toner, she was talking about perfectionism and mm. the need for the child to, to maintain that relationship with with the parent in, in spite of everything that happens yeah. and then we had mark will in last week around inherited family trauma and how that gets how that gets passed down and that mark mentioned it in one of the pieces as well of how we then become the carer for the parent mm-hmm yeah. The, the, the love and the care we don't receive, we give to them. So true. And and you know, you you said it yourself there. I unconditionally love her. Yeah. But there's some things that I don't like. Yeah, that's so true. Even in all of that, it's like I still want and I still need that because you know we we're still that child. Yeah. 
That's so true. And a lot of people in my position would just go, well, cut, cut that off. Like, cut, cut that person mm. off. Cut those mm. people off completely. They'd say that, and I'm just like, I know I should, but I can't. It's, yeah. you know. And I, I've seen it so often. I've, uh, this, as I said, you know, you've no idea how I've nearly verbatim heard a similar story. You know. Yeah. And if I didn't know otherwise, I think. Did she grow up in the same house? That's that's how that's how that's how familiar really? this story is. Yeah, and um, I've seen clients like that, sort of same family dynamic that 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 you've described, and just can't. They just can't cut off. And then when they do, they're riddled with guilt. Yes, the guilt just kills them. That's what happened to me that time when my my granddad died. Again, I was nineteen. Mm. I moved away to my biological dad's house. And I had only planned on going for a week or something. And then I just never went back. But the guilt, Jesus, the amount of anxiety I had about even bumping into any of them. And the guilt, because actually my ma uh, texted me and she was like, how could you do this to granny? She feels like she lost my granddad and you. You can't be my daughter. And... you know, and stuff like that. So you're having that guilt from the outside as well. Yeah. You had it enough, mm. and then she's just yeah. thrown it on yeah, top of you then as well. Yeah, have some more there while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. But I had that, and that was only a year, you know. Uh, so, and I guess I went back. I did, I went back to them, you know what I mean? So I, I can only imagine the amount of strength and support and guilt you would go through for people who actually try to cut off from family members like that or people or relationships whatever it is you know it takes a lot of strength definitely yeah did anything come of the disclosure cody uh, did anything happen was it reported anything no this is yeah that's yeah. another thing like he literally he 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 goes next door to the house that i'm i'm staying in at the minute and it's like you know he plays because he's going through basically the separation with my ma and he just plays the victim he's like poor me i did everything right and you know there's people who talked to me before um who i feel like they're looking at me different that could be a paranoia thing and it's like am i thinking god is he just he's just out there just getting his living his life living his best life like after ruining his entire family you know Mm. he didn't just destroy my life like that was actually him and my family um and probably even more so the decision that they made to to not stand by me. Like, you know, that that actually did more damage than what he did. In fairness, like, he just sickens me. Like, and he scares me. Mm. As in, I don't know what he's what he is, like, exactly what he is capable of, exactly what way his head works, but I don't get it. Like, if anything, he's just cold and calculated, you know. And, um, but he... Have you ever considered reporting, Cody? I did. I did. Um, funny, the... As soon as the separation happened, where my ma found out that he cheated on her, she literally sat my little brothers down, and they're too young to know this, and uh, told them the story then when it suited her. Mm. And now they're fucking scarred from that. And I actually tried to hide that from them to protect them. So then she's all like, oh, we're going to court now, you know, over stuff. So like (laughs) your story will come in handy now. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, tough shit. (laughs) Like, you know, that's actually probably me being like, like, you know, if I thought anybody else was in danger, I'd 100%. 
if anybody else ever came out with a story, I'd be there in a second. Mm. I would. Because that's when, mm. you know, I'd be it. That's it. No, done. So, uh, yeah. Um, that's that's basically what he's doing now. He's fine, like. Yeah. You, you mentioned one of the things that's, that's, that struck me in, in your story, Cody, and it's it's always something that struck me in previous guests we've had and in you know therapy sessions I've had with clients. The importance of, and I suppose the image that came to my mind, I don't know if you, if you made the reference, but that rock to cling to that your, that your fiancé became. How did the difference between just having that one good person in your life yeah, God. can make such a difference? Yeah, and it's like seeing, it's like seeing the world through, it's like two different worlds, it really is, like, I was very lucky to have somebody who stood by me, because, like, yeah, I, I all these things I went through and all that, but I was definitely not easy to deal with, like, still, uh, probably not easy to deal with at times, but, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. um, um, Jesus, he just made the world difference, and I don't think there's you know everybody's not as lucky that they have somebody who really and he mm. just happens to have i've often told him he should be a therapist because like mm. you know he, he's very insightful like very very insightful and very you know i don't know he's just he would be good at it you know yeah um, i mean high, high five to him when you get off tell him you can you can, you can pass that on well, but you're absolutely right because many many people that go through chaotic childhoods like you've had where uh, there has been abuse whether it's physical abuse sexual abuse emotional abuse your boundaries are so skewed mm-hmm. that there's a you know there's a high likelihood that you're going to end up in just abusive relationships yeah I've seen because that. that's 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 what you've known. That's all you've known. So it's it's not to end up in a relationship where you're beaten or raped, and because well, sure, isn't this isn't this what happens? This is life. Yeah, and I, I find that that's actually one thing for me that, and I don't know if that's got to do with like all the women in my family are like the ones that I see people like the men are really chilled out you know um so like I don't know if it's that they never they always kind of were like never take shit from a man like you know like really men are dirt whatever and maybe yeah these these are core beliefs these are the core beliefs that get instilled in us in childhood that it's you know whether it's around other men whether it's around people in general so what's what what's the child brought up to believe ah men are fucking shit Mm. dirt men are this men are that Mm -hmm. so what's the likelihood then of you know you end up in a relationship and you know and maybe you know that can also feed into that uh, mistrust that was perhaps at the day or the start of your own relationship Mm. because you're brought up with these beliefs around men and what they are and how they are yeah and say, like, gosh, well, so he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And so as much of, you know, it's from yourself, then it can also be instilled as well. Oh, one billion percent, because that yeah. was huge for me. Like any relationship I was in, I was in my, uh, my family would literally be in my ear going, you're so stupid. He's off cheating on you tonight. Like, you know, are Jesus you Christ. yeah, all the time. Like, no wonder I was paranoid. I still, I mm. still, I still struggle with paranoia with things like that. And like, mm. You know, he's proven to me that, you know, he's not doing anything like that. But, like, still, I almost have a... It's, like, two brains. Like, one is just going the other way. And I'm like, no, no, come back here now to reality. Like, mm-hmm. uh, But they made me so paranoid that... And it, was, it wasn't it was just with one boyfriend. It was with every boyfriend and every friend as well. 
yeah so like it's, it's brainwashing really like to keep you yeah. mm-hmm. almost to yeah. keep you in the circle yeah, what what I was wondering if I if I would touch on it, but you, you've actually described what can be called as a, a closed family system or a dysfunctional family system, and within that, it it's keep it closed. You know, we keep all the secrets in here. You don't go outside of the family. So, and when you do, you fucking you're. It's like that scene in The Godfather. Al Pacino is going. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. They just pull. They pull you back in with guilt, with coercion. Mm. It's because you know we are so insular yeah and that protects all of the family secrets and it's us against them and everyone else is this and everyone else is that and there's shame and there's judgment within it you know if you do anything that goes against what what's their beliefs or how they see the world it's like oh sure well fucking she thinks she's fucking such and such there now and you know you get fucking back in your place you you get back in here now and you tow the family line you literally nailed it like absolutely mm. freaking nailed it. See, Cammy. Yeah, uh, like I do know some shit. Like actually, it's completely. your job to know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used to call them the mafia. You know, <laughs> like seriously. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Mm. That's exactly you nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's my ego stroke a, a, for today. I'll book in with a session for you after this. <laughs> 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 Might need about fifty to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it does have, have you, you? I think you touched on it a little bit at the start. You have, you've had counseling, you've had therapy around a little bit. I did. I got into that kind of. I uh, I was seeing a therapist every two weeks, and it was it was. Um, I had a medical card at the time. It was free. It wasn't private. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really the key was great. It was cognitive therapy. Yeah, uh, no, you're at nothing. Yeah, see, I don't. I, I, <laughs> to, to I, be honest, I think it helped. You get a little bit. Yeah, I think it helped a little bit just to talk to yeah. somebody, as in, and it, it did. Like I, that's that's the key piece in it, Cody. It's it doesn't it doesn't matter the modality. It doesn't matter if it's CBT. Mm. A lot of it is just that having someone else. It's having someone to talk to. Yeah. Regardless of what they do or don't do, and I think the research kind of shows that you know there's about a seventy percent chance you're going to improve anyway. Regardless of what the therapist does, yeah, you're still going to feel something. But the likes of that, and in 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 my own clinical experience, like that's that's a lot of long term work. Yeah. Six six CBT sessions will be okay. You, you might you get something out of it, mm. but you know it, it's it's when you're talking long term historical abuse like that. Yeah, like I think I that's something that I struggle with. Was like I do feel like because this isn't like a once-off thing like it's not like it's just grief that I lost somebody and I need to go talk it out like this is just mm. embedded in me you know what I mean like these things like mm. I have to really 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 work and still like I'll be up and down all the time like severe anxiety I can go into severe depression um I'm on medication I've been on medication since I was and I didn't want to be you know mm. put me on too much definitely at first uh, it was like a zombie and um yeah. Like I do, I I do wish I could find some sort of therapy that would would help me see certain certain things and or actually work with coping mechanisms. That's my problem. That's definitely my problem. Like um, that's the hardest thing for me. Or if I'm triggered, like you know, I'd be the most laid back person ever, and then I could mm. be triggered by something and uh go just see red. God. My partner actually said to me years ago. My he actually thought I was like possessed because my eyes would literally turn black, like but not black, but mm-hmm. like your 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 eyes are obviously dilated and it's probably mm-hmm. like um 
you know, your fight or flight, like yeah, 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 adrenaline exactly. has exactly. just gone through the yeah. roof. And then with what I would say to him, I wouldn't remember. I actually wouldn't yeah. remember what I said. I'd be like, I didn't say that. He'd be like, yeah, I did. And I wasn't gaslighting him. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, because when, when we get in such an emotional state, so when emotions are elevated, logic is low. So we're taught we're totally reacting from the the emotional part of the brain. All of the blood drains away from our prefrontal cortex that's involved in logic and cognition and stops us from saying and doing a lot of things on any given day. But when that area goes offline, mm-hmm. it's like it just gets plugged out. All that hateful shit comes out. Yeah. Um, and like that, where it's so emotional that the logic part, the language parts, the memory part, so the hippocampus, which is involved in memory storage, mm-hmm. starts producing cortisol. So when someone says in such a state like that, I don't remember, they literally don't remember because the hard drive isn't plugged in. Yeah. Yep. So we can say and do, or likewise, you know, people that have been, uh, people that I, I mentioned before in the podcast, people that may have been raped and they go to the police, but what do they look like? I don't remember. What was he wearing? I don't remember. Hang on a fucking second. You're coming in here saying you're raped. You don't remember what he looks like. You don't remember. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, because, you know, they don't understand the neurobiology of our brains and our bodies. That, no, it literally is a case that they may not remember. Yeah. Mm. Or dissociate from the, the trauma yeah. in the moment. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it is crazy how it actually, how it, how your brain affects you like that way with all this, you know, you, you'd never think it could go that deep, but it does like. So that was straight talking childhood abuse and a huge massive thank you to Cody for coming on and sharing her story, being so honest and open around her own experiences around the abuse she endured in childhood, the borderline personality disorder, how that has affected her life in later life and including her relationships. A fascinating story that we were absolutely honoured to be able to tell for her. If you'd like to get in touch with us the same way Cody did, you can do that. You can get us on all the social media channels or you can hit us up on the email. To get us up on social media, you'll find us out there. We're on Instagram, we're on facebook that's straight talking mental health podcast if you see us on instagram add us to your story if you see a post on facebook please hit like and share or mention or tag a friend something like that Uh, if you see us on twitter hit the retweet button that's all it's going to take str8 talking pod number eight that is so str number eight talking pod on twitter hit retweet that's that's really going to help people see this content that we put out there we don't make any money off it this costs us money to be to be honest. So for every little like, every little share, every little retweet, that makes a huge difference in terms of getting our message out there where we can tell people like Cody, where we can tell her story. And she's been inspired to do so from the other guests that we've been on. So it's a, it makes a huge difference to us if you can just give that little share, give that little retweet. I know it sounds like I'm begging. I absolutely know you're sitting there going, oh, for fuck's sake, not again with the retweets and the share. But to understand it folks it does make a huge difference if you want to hit us up on the email or you want to check out the website you can do that it's stmhtalkingpodcast.com if you go into the website you'll see each episode and underneath each episode there is the capacity to leave a comment if you want to leave a comment that's a good way to to comment directly on that episode you can do that we'll, we'll try and get back to you whenever we can and we always try to get back to any correspondence that we do get if you want to hit us up on the email that's hello at stmhpodcast.com that's how you can get in touch if you want to tell your story, if you want to offer some feedback on the episodes. We're always so grateful to hear from all of you guys. Big shout out to Fiona Bryan, Mr. Love Island Beatmaker. Apparently, I don't watch it, so P tells me. But that's got, you got to be pretty good to be featured on that, I'd imagine. Uh, 
again, no comment on, or no judgment if that is something you choose to spend your time watching. Truthfully, I probably am judging you inside my head, but that's okay. You can do what you need to do. But check out FOB Beats. Mr. Fiona Bryan, he hooked us up with the music at the start and what you're going to hear toward the end here now. Incredible beat maker, producer. He's got all the goods here. I'm telling you guys, this is, you got to get in on the ground floor. He's going to be taken off. So now is the time to get on top of it. You might also have noticed we've started some new podcasts, some social media posts, so new video style, new social media post style. Let us know what you think, if you like that. we got to give a shout out to Aideen, who helped us in the past from Digital Design Lab. I'm back on the social media posts at the minute, so if you got any feedback, if you like it, you don't like it, try something new. We're trying to mix it up a little bit. Let us know what you think around the social media posts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Same with the, with the promo videos. But in the meantime, folks, look after yourselves. And look after each other. Cody, one of the things we ask every guest to do, I know you're a listener to the podcast, and one of the things we always ask uh, a guest to do when they come on as we finish up is to give some sort of words of wisdom, some inspiration, some life lesson learned, some motto, something that, that they have taken from life that, that, they, that they could share with, with the world. So in this case, we, we, we pass the baton over to you. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> I'm so bad at stuff like this. I literally go and went that's blank right. the second you no, started saying the yeah, sentence. There you go. See, that's the most part of the brain. It goes in the panic mode. It's, no, it's just something. It's just something you've learned. It's the same reason I never do it any week. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say it's just something you you see everywhere, but I definitely believe. You know, be nice to people because you you genuinely don't know what people are going through. Like. You don't know what way their day has been if you could turn their day around by just helping them, by being nice to them, by a smile, by the smallest thing, by a compliment. You know, uh, don't go the other way because you just don't know what people are going through. Mental health. Mental health. Mental health. The mind is a terrible 